Today, I have Samantha LaDoit on the podcast, and we are going to be discussing the TV show Psych, the third book in the Harry Potter series, The Prisoner of Azkaban, and the movie The Thin Man. I'm really, really excited to have her on. She is a wonderful human being. She has actually been lovely enough to have me on her podcast twice for um, Mean Girls and, oh, oh, and Emma. Um, and uh, it's called Adapted with Anna and Sam. It's really lovely. They read a book and they watch a film and then they discuss them both. And it's really lovely and fun. And Jeff Goldblum is in every episode, which I am into. I hope you enjoy this podcast episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. Hi, Sam. Welcome. Hi, Michelle. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited. I'm excited to have you. First up, we have to talk about psych. Uh, you're not going to make me sad about that at all. Yeah. In any way. I figured not. <laughs> so one of the things that I love the most about Sam is that we have bonded over how much we both love psych. It's so good. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, Sam's housewarming gift from me was a pineapple cutting board. Yeah. Um, if you know me at all, which I don't know how many of you actually will, but um, I'm big into displaying my fandoms. And Psych is definitely the fandom I have the most things to display. I have two sweatshirts with the pineapple and Psych on it. I have the cutting board that Michelle gave me. I have a giant mug that says the psychic is in, which is amazing. Um, I have a little to-go mug that says psych on it. It's like, you know, one of those fake paper mugs, but it's plastic. Yep. I stole it for two months. You did. Yes, you did. Um, (laughs) Because she made me tea to go. I have every single season on DVD. I still rewatch it when it's like on Ion Television or anything. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm not ashamed of my psych fandom. Uh, nor should you be, <laughs> because it is a ridiculously under talked about series. Yes, I would agree with that completely. Um, I, in preparation for today, and just because it was a day ending in Y. I went back and rewatched the whole series. I didn't mean to. I was only going you to. You can't not. Right? It's so fun. Yeah. So I start. I started off. I was like, oh, I'm going to watch the pilot because I haven't seen it in a long time or whatever. And then I was just like, oh, it's three in the morning. <laughs> I'm in season four. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, my butt is plastered to my couch. Mm-hmm. My cat has fallen asleep for hours on top of me. Mm-hmm. And I live here now on my yep. couch. Yes. Why do you love Psych so much? Um, well, I think it's the first show that I remember discovering for myself. Um, and it was just, it had my sense of humor. It has all of those pop culture references that I sprinkle throughout my entire life. Even though Sean and Gus aren't necessarily my generation, they're a few years older than me, I feel like... They are, they are, have the kind of friendship that I love, that I love, like, I just want to emulate. Um, <laughs> you just want a best friend that you I can just, name new names exactly, all the time? Exactly. Got it. Um, and it, it was just, it's, it was so different from anything I had watched before. It was, at that time, it was a new type of comedy. It was an hour long TV show. It was funny, but still moments of seriousness. It didn't aspire to be something it knew it wasn't ever going to be. And they solved mysteries. I'm like, what isn't there to like about this show? And so it was, I don't know, it's like, I just remember watching it and being like, this is awesome. And I need to watch, just keep watching it. And every time it like sat on the bubble and like they didn't know if they were going to renew it or not, I'd be like, what is wrong with USA? Why are they not renewing it? This is their best show. USA has a history of like not right they're dumb they don't come incorrect with their series they like they don't know a good thing when they have it it's true yeah and so and like i think it just it just i don't know i don't and i i can't remember but i'm pretty sure i watched it right away from the very first episode the pilot like i have been a fan since the pilot really yeah i definitely didn't find it that fast and it's like i told everybody they should watch it Mm -hmm. and so my entire family loves it 
like you watch it anna watched it and like i was like you guys will all enjoy the show yeah and like i would tell anybody i saw about it to try and get the viewership up and be like you guys are missing out and then when that stupid when it wasn't it's i shouldn't say it wasn't stupid i did not like it but when um the the show mental or whatever the mentalist the mentalist when that mm-hmm. came out i was like they're just trying to ride on Sykes coattails. I oh, mean, it was snap. A, it was a completely different show. It, was it like, totally was. I watched that, too. <laughs> it was like a ser- It was like a drama, procedural. I'm like, Simon, Simon Baker is a fantastic actor. Like, yeah. it was It was a good show, but I was like, whatever, it's not Psych. I didn't know for <laughs> multiple seasons that he wasn't American. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then I, like, heard an interview about a different project, and I was like, <gasps> Right? What the heck? Yeah. I yeah. hate it when they do that. I'm like, your accent is beautiful. Don't make I know, it like, American. <laughs> I know. I seriously was like, your real voice is so hot. Right? I'm yeah. Like, but that's a, whole other, that's a whole other story. <laughs> I feel like that's a whole other podcast. Dear listener, <laughs> I have a thing for accents. I do too. So, okay. Psych came out in uh, 2006 and it went until 2014 and then they did a movie. Yes. And they are currently or just finished produce like putting together i think they're still working on it okay the second movie is coming out yes soonish yes cross fingers yes the one of the reasons that i love this show is that it mixes genres in a way that i really like yes so it's it is a crime drama it technically is a procedural however it also has the heart of like a buddy cop film Mm mm-hmm a buddy cop film? No. <laughs> it kind of does. I mean, did you see that episode where they where they were doing the police academy? Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, there are so many good episodes throughout the series. Yes. One of the things that I found, and the reason why I've watched the series throughout multiple seasons, I've gone back and rewatched over and over again, is because this is the perfect TV show for me to grade essays and papers to. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily essays because I have to focus on yeah. those, but like grading short answer quizzes and mm-hmm. stuff like that. It's the perfect television show because you can just kind of put it on the background. You don't have to be super 100% invested for yep. you to still have a great time watching it. Exactly. But if you are watching, there are multiple like... You still, you still enjoy every moment. Yes. Yep. So, I love this series so much. Their friendship is feels genuine mm-hmm. and real, and you grow to instantly love all of these characters. Yes. Do you have a favorite episode? Uh, I mean, yes and no. I have episodes that I will constantly rewatch. American Duos is one of them. I, and I, if I had to pick a favorite episode, that might be it. Yeah. Um, so if you haven't seen the show, it's the first episode of season two. It's, uh, a riff on American Idol. And so the, the show American Duos is touring the country looking for new contestants. For their upcoming season. For their upcoming season. And there's been these accidents that have been happening and people have been hurt or died and they're in Santa Barbara right now. And Tim Curry guest stars as the Simon Cowell of the show. And his caustic British wit just kills me every time. He can do no wrong in my eyes ever. Right? Ever. But in this episode, it's just like right? chef's and kiss. His name is Nigel St. Nigel. Yeah, it is. Oh, my <laughs> God. And it's just like, and it's like, it's stuff like this. And then Gina Gershon is a delight. Um, I didn't really know a lot of her work, mm-hmm. and I had never seen her in something funny, but she was hilarious. Yeah. So hilarious. She was like the Paula Abdul. Yes. Um, and then, Chris, is his name Christian Ronaldo? Yes. Um, he was the third judge. He's like, kind of like, he was the... He was not Randy. He was, no. <laughs> <laughs> he was very attractive. Um, you know, but he was like, it was I mean. To be like, to be fair, I would have made out with Randy oh, if he yeah. stopped using the phrase dog. Right? But he was, it was supposed to be like his comeback because he had like one song and like the show was going to, I'm like, I don't know why you choose American Duo to be his comeback, but um, 
I don't know. Like, and so the casting was perfect. The jokes are hilarious. Sean and Gus end the show doing um, Tears for Fear shout. And, <laughs> and Sean is dressed as one, as, I, I don't even, I think it's Kurt. And then Gus is like Michael Jackson. And you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and like, this just speaks to me because it's like the 80s come to life in a really, really cheesy way. And it was just amazing. Um, and it just, I die laughing every single time I watch it. It is a really, really clever television show that is littered with pop culture references yes. throughout the whole series. I feel like in a lot of ways it's on par for me with Gilmore Girls in that yeah. respect, where every episode is just filled to the brim with quick, witty yep. side comments that are hilarious. Yes. Um, and another episode that I love is the one where they kind of riff on telenovelas. Oh, that's a really good one, too. Um, James Roday is actually half Spanish. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's half Spanish. Um, bueno, and I didn't know that yeah, before now. Yeah, so his actually last name is Rodriguez. Oh. Yes. Um, but anyway, so he... I'm going to quick pause you to let uh, the listeners oh, know <laughs> that Sam is a, like, adorable walking encyclopedia for all things book, movie, and television related. <laughs> she knows every actor's name, and apparently their stage and <laughs> God-given names. <laughs> and is amazing to witness, which is one of the reasons that she was one of the first people that I asked to be on this podcast. Because I just pull out useless information. <laughs> it's so helpful. I don't need to Google stuff when you're around. That is true. I am like almost a human Google for some things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, so the telenovela episode is hilarious because Sean actually has to take the place on the show of an actor. So he plays like this UPS guy and he's supposed to be like the murder victim and stuff like that. And just his over-exaggeration of his like terrible Spanish accent, even though he can truly speak Spanish. Um, and just the way they, they're not just riffing on the television, but like you can tell they love it. You can tell it's, it's an homage, it's an homage. not a, not exactly. a parody. Exactly. Yes. And, and like, that's what this, like, the show is, like, a love letter to everything that Steve Franks, the creator, loves, James Roday, Julie Hill, every, like, you can tell they love the show, and you can tell that they love what they're, like, putting on screen, mm -hmm. and what they're kind of paying homage to or riffing. Because um, another one that I love that I mentioned earlier is the one where they go to the police academy. Yep. So it's like later on and like, you know, it's a little like they're the show's kind of stretching the premise a little bit like Sean. I didn't even go over the premise, but you guys can figure that out. <laughs> um, so Sean is basically still like you're like you're kind of like, do they people really believe he's still psychic? Like, haven't they picked up on it yet? So like the show. Well, But here's the thing. They do a really nice uh, job throughout the series of making it believable mm -hmm. that if you are just another person at the police station or whatever, right. you would believe you him. Would believe him. Right. But then, because... like, Lassiter and Julia and right. the chief. Yes. Does the series end with Lassiter still not knowing? I don't think so. I don't Because really... I, I know that uh, eventually he comes clean with Juliet. Yeah. Well, she figures it out. Right. But... I don't remember him I don't ever coming he, clean to Lassiter. Yeah, I don't think he and Lassiter ever had that heart-to-heart. -heart. Yeah. But I think in the last season, he and Lassiter, like, exchanged, like, all these moments. Yeah. Where Lassiter's just, like, and, and Sean Spencer's like, oh, yeah, 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 and stuff like that. So. Okay. Yeah. Because um, the chief knew. The chief knew. She, like, she's really known. Oh. She, I feel like, yes. Yeah, she's like, that, I think that's why she hired Sean's dad. Yes. Like, she needed mm -hmm. that cover. Yes. To keep hiring Sean because he's it, not really psychic. Correct. Yeah. But, like, in the later seasons, you know, they're still kind of, the, the writers are kind of, like, trying to stretch the, like, how to keep Sean involved. So one of the ways was they had the chief hire dad, like, his dad is liaison to the special consultants. And another one was they send Sean and Gus to the police academy. Mm -hmm. and Ralph Macchio's guest stars, and they have, like, all these throwaway lines to The Crowded Kid, as well as the Police Academy movies from the 80s with Steve Gutenberg. Mm -hmm. um, 
my favorite scene of the entire show oh. is in this episode. Go on. And it's where Ralph Macchio has takes Sean and, and Gus out on patrol, and they pull Lassiter over <laughs> for speeding. And so the scene is just Lassiter's in his car with his Lassiter face on, and Sean walks up on one side, Gus on the other. Sean knocks on the window. License your registration, please. And he's got, like, this toothpick in his mouth, and it's just hilarious <laughs> because it's, like, a send-up of all those typical cop movies where, like, the hard-ass cop pulls, like, is pulled over and, like, you know, stewing on things. And yeah. It w- it's just hilarious. And, like, you can tell how much the actors love working together, and you can tell how much they're enjoying filming that scene with Lasseter just wanting to, like burst out out of a car and like you know just deal with sean and gus yeah and i don't know it's just like everything about that show just kind of like crystallized in that one scene (laughs) so my favorite episode the ones you listed were wonderful but you're wrong because (laughs) that's fair my favorite episode is the clue episode yes so for their 100th episode they did an homage to the movie clue love that movie and it was so fun Mm -hmm. and dumb in all the best ways and it had like half the cast yeah from the movie clue yep i think they didn't have tim curry because they'd already had him on right they didn't have madeline khan because she was no longer alive r.i.p yep but i think everybody else was there right there yeah Yeah. and it was so fun and so silly and it just made me laugh so hard it was like and they did all the running around yes all of the best parts of the movie they yep. pulled out and then made sure that were kind of like in there somewhere. Yes. No, Which... that is also a very good episode. I agree. Do you have a favorite character? No, I would have to say like my favorites are Sean and Gus. Yeah. Um, just because you can tell, or like at least it, their, their friendship is written really well. And you can tell the actors enjoy playing with each other. Yes. But I love all the characters though. But I would have to say like... Without Sean and Gus, it wouldn't have been... It couldn't have worked. Yeah, it definitely wouldn't have worked without the two of them together. What about recurring characters? My favorite recurring character is definitely Buzz. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) What's yours? I almost said Woody. Ah, I love Woody, too. Mostly because he's so gross and weird. He really is. (laughs) all the time it's just like every time he's in a scene i'm like yeah something gross is gonna come out of his face yeah and then it does yep yep and it's funny too because that actor was in wayne's world and for a while like i could only ever see that character but then he really just took on the woody persona and i was like oh woody you you, wow you're woody (laughs) but i think that my favorite is actually uh mary lightly Oh, really? Yes. So Why? I I really do like the um the Mr. Yin mm-hmm. through line yep. of the show. Uh for those of you who haven't watched, Mr. Yin is the the big bad guy. Yeah. That is uh taunts Sean. And Mary Lightly is uh, a character who helps Sean out. Mary Lightly is fantastic. So good. It's the only time in the whole series that I cried because I genuinely was sad that he spoiler alert was killed. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, Oh no, (laughs) I wasn't ready for that. I was not expecting them to kill him at all. It was very sad. Yep. So I think that that's my favorite recurring character. What do you like best about him? He's so awkward, (laughs) but like is genuinely helpful. Yeah. And I'm like, hmm, that feels right to me. Yeah. That's that's who I am. <laughs> Have you ever seen um, Westworld? No. So the actor who played Mary Lightly, Jamie Simpson, is also in Westworld. Very, very different character. <laughs> so good still. Well, one of the other things I so like good. about him is that he disappears into his roles. So he's played a Does. bunch of different yep. stuff that I really like. Awesome. Yep, you should also watch Westworld because that's a good show. Is it scary at all? You know I don't too scary. It's not scary. It's violent. 
I don't know if it's for me then. But the the casting is fantastic. I've heard nothing but amazing things about it. The storylines are amazing. And you're just you're just like where else can they be going? And the the just the performances are phenomenal. I believe you. Yeah. I don't think but, you're lying about it. No, but if you don't like violence, it may not be for you. I totally understand. I will that. give it a go. <laughs> I'll give it a whirl if you wish. All right, all right. Uh, the only other thing that I really want to talk about, I guess, before we wrap up with our talk about Psych, <laughs> we have not touched on Juliet or okay. Lassiter. Oh, that's true. We haven't even mentioned either of them. And I feel like in order to do our due diligence. We should. Because Juliet is... I feel like the heart of the show. She is. She is the person who is logical and good. Yep. And like the yeah. the moral compass of everything. <laughs> Which is weird because she wasn't in the pilot at all. Right. And the the woman they had cast um, as Lasser's partner in the first in the pilot. Yes. She actually um, ended up being on House as a character that we all hated. Even though she ended up married, like in love with Wilson, and it was very sad when she died. But um, spoiler alert: <laughs> left and right in this episode. Um, but anyway, so I guess from what I read is that her character was too much of a bitch. You can say bitch. Bitch. Um, and that <laughs> Good job. they wanted to bring in somebody that audiences would like and was warmer and stuff, and so that's Juliet. And you're right. She totally is the heart of the show. And I don't know that Sean would be as a success would be as successful a character throughout the entire run of the show without Juliet. Right. To to try and get him to be a better person. Well, and I think that that's why I buy into their love story. Yeah. Is that he becomes a grown up for her. Yes. And makes himself worthy of her. Yep. And. You buy that she's into him because she lightens up a little bit she because does. of him. Yep. And is genuinely like, oh, okay, maybe I can sit down for five seconds and yeah. the world won't crash. Right. And the, like, we'll get to last in a second, but though I did want to say, like, the one thing I do enjoy about this show is all of the characters want each other to do better. And so they, one of the things that the show does really well is they all grow. Yes. And change. Because mm-hmm. you know how some shows the, the character stays stagnant yep. the whole time. I think House is an example of that. Yeah. I like I didn't really watch House through the very end, but from that I stayed, uh, I watched it for such a long time. But like House didn't really change. No. Like, Sometimes the, he was more high than other times. Exactly. Like, but at the core of himself, he right. was still just House. And like I know that's why people watched it, but I'm just like, I like characters to to grow and change like that's what people do right real people do that real people do that it's like there's no way this one dude sean for example yep would stay like that for Mm -hmm. the rest of his life if he was surrounded by these people well and there's no way that any character can stay right that silly Mm -hmm. and that ridiculous or whatever just like you know there's no way that like anybody can't can just stay in one spot right mm-hmm. yeah so and that's one of the things i really think the show did well is it actually had its characters grow and not just in arbitrary like oh we need to make sean do be able to do this now yeah like it was it was an organic growth because of who he was surrounding himself with mm-hmm. and a major part of that growth was lassiter it's like i know that juliet was like the warm heart and sensor and she like kind of you know, kind of helped Sean grow up. Yeah. But I feel like Sean became a better, like, friend. Um, not necessarily friend, but, like, like better with people because of his relationship with Lassiter. So he and Lassiter had this kind of competition, you know. Um, Lassiter was the head detective, and so Sean was always, they were always trying to show each other up. Mm-hmm. But towards the end, it really became a partnership. Mm-hmm. And oh, the episode where uh, Lasseter has like lost his mojo, yes. and so they try and like solve oh. the crime, and then just like hand it oh over to God. him. Like, is so, so sweet. sweet, right? And so it's like the, they all genuinely care for each other, even Lasseter for Sean and Gus, and for all of his like fake exasperation. It's like you know that he just 
wants them to be better yeah as well and so i think the the actor and i i missed him so much in the in the movie and it was oh. so heartbreaking that he why he couldn't be on the show because he had that stroke before they started filming a um, week before they started filming yeah. the movie uh the man who played lassiter what's his name timothy omenson see i told you <laughs> listeners adorable walking encyclopedia <laughs> So he had a stroke the week before, and so they had to do a complete rewrite and essentially take out his character. Mm-hmm. And so instead, he's in a 35-second right, clip right. on, a, a, on a phone. Yeah, yeah, he's FaceTiming Juliet. But <sighs> by all accounts of my Google searching, <laughs> which is really Google searching and not just asking Sam, uh, he is much more included in the yes. one that they are filming currently. Yes. And I, what I did enjoy about the movie is Lassiter is such a motivating force, even though he's not on screen and like, there's a, like a, he's, you know, kind of doing something in, he's like a, a head chief somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, he's still very much a part yes. of the environment. Like they want to do this for him. And so it was just, I don't know, the, the, the synergy between the entire cast and, like, all the characters, I think, really is one of the, was, like, the biggest reason why this is my all-time favorite show. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the cast, the ensemble cast is really wonderful. Yeah. Awesome. My last question for you about this show is, what do you want the plot of the next movie to be? Oh, God. Well, I feel like they should have um, Declan come back, and he and Sean should have another rival off. Oh. And I think that would be amazing. I would like Despero to come back. Ooh, I love Despero, too. And I would like Sean to be a stay-at-home dad. That would be amazing. Of twins. Because <laughs> karma. Oh, my God. And can we also have Kurt Smith? following them around again always <laughs> heck yeah <laughs> and he like calls the chief to be like i don't know what to do yes. here and she's like you'll be fine right and That'd then hangs amazing. up on him i love it great <laughs> for our second section of today's discussion we will be talking about harry potter and the prisoner of azkaban Harry Potter must not go back to Hogwarts this year. So wrong book, but still funny. This came out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this came out in uh, July of 1999, and uh, the U.S. version had 435 pages in the original edition. Mm-hmm. We both love the whole series. Why is this the one that stood out to you? Um. This is the one that stood out because of very personal reasons. Mm-hmm. So, um, my parents divorced when I was very young, and my dad wasn't necessarily actively involved as I was growing up. He was there, but he wasn't like he didn't really know what to do with us. Yeah, I loved him dearly, and I knew he loved me, but um, it was just one of those kind of like you know divorced parents type of thing. And so when I read this and. The relationship between Sirius and Harry, like they that they get at the end, yeah, I was very happy for, and like mm-hmm. I was like, I because I wanted Harry to have a person, a person that he mm-hmm. could go to, um, and that just was there, and that wasn't. I mean, I loved the Weasleys, don't get me wrong, but I wanted Harry to have his own person, yeah, and so that book introduced Harry's person, and it just it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it was, I don't know, very, very exciting for me. And yeah. I mean, it was a really good book overall, even before that. Mm-hmm. Um, introduced the Marauders map. It introduced, like, um, you know, kind of the whole gang. Of, and Lupin was another person for Harry. Yeah. So he got, like, two people. And I was really happy about that. And um, it just stuck with me throughout and so I loved all of the other books for maybe Half Blood Prince but whatever we won't talk about that one <laughs> um, I liked it but it was just kind of like meh, compared to the rest of them um, throwing shade at J.K. <laughs> Rowling don't let her hear this she's gonna come after you I know but I love the Robert Galbraith books 
please don't come at me. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> in this book, it starts off where uh, Harry is at home with the Dursleys, living underneath the stairs like he does. They are the worst. <sighs> right? Seriously. Yeah. And then uh, the Dementor comes, mm-hmm. right? And he... Wait, no. No. No, no. Um. Yes. The Dementor comes to the park. Yes. And somebody scares it off. Oh, his neighbor. Yes. What's her name? Who's the half... She's the crazy cat lady. Yeah, but she also is like a half... Yeah, she's... um Wizard? No. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. It's been a while since I've read the book. I apologize. Uh, but so... He gets freaked out and ends up like running away from. Yes, grabs his home. grabs his his trunk and and bounces bounces onto the night bus. I love the night bus, which is I think one of the scariest things about the movies <laughs> is when they are filming it and you are like driving recklessly yeah. and you have like an I'm on the bus yep. point of view mm-hmm. and you get a little queasy and mm-hmm. it's not okay. No. And it like squeezes between things and you're just like, I can't. I can't. Yeah. So, and then he ends up meeting up with people uh, in Diagon Alley. Yep. And then the Dementor comes onto the on the train. train and he gets affected and he has to eat a bunch of chocolate, which by the way, there is no better analogy for me of like a, a sadness mm-hmm. and like chocolate is the fix it is yeah yeah it's like chocolate or cheese for right me. it's like especially like this is gonna be tmi dear listener i'm so sorry um but when i'm pmsing yeah like chocolate is the only thing that will take me down mm-hmm. make me feel better yeah mm-hmm. so then they get to school, and the big, huge thing of year three is that students get to go to Hogsmeade, which is the town, the neighboring town, and Harry can't go. Right. Because... He has no... He has nobody to sign his permission <laughs> slips. And he tries to get Professor McGonagall to sign for him, and she's like, I can't, I'm not a parent guardian, and he knows the Dursleys, like, and then he couldn't get the Dursleys to sign it, they wouldn't sign it. Because they're garbage there. humans. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and it's just, and then it's so heartbreaking at the end when he gets it from Sirius. It's just, it's his person. But he gets to go before then. He does. Because he has an invisibility cloak. And he's not afraid of breaking no rules. That is correct. <laughs> he also has become friendly with Fred and George. Oh my God, those Weasley brothers. Have never met a rule that they don't want to break. Right. And so they gift him with this wonderful map. The Marauders map. It's a, such a cool thing. It really is. It's one of my favorite objects in any book mm-hmm. of literature. I love the idea that when you open it, first of all, you have to open it by saying, I solemnly swear I'm up to no good. And why wouldn't you want to swear, swear that? Right? I'm here for that content. Yeah. But then it shows where everybody is and where... and. So you can figure out what you need to do and where mm-hmm. you need to go. And where all the entrances are, right. secret or otherwise. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah, but how did the professor know about the map in the movie? I don't know. Exactly. He never reveals it. Who was it? So um, Lupin, in the movie, Lupin yes. you know, said knows that Harry has the map. He knows all about the map. Right. In the book, Lupin reveals how he knows about the map. Oh, because he's one of the four he's one creators. Of the four. But in the movie, they just cut all that exposition out. Man. And I'm like, seriously? I'm sorry, how are you like? (laughs) Seriously? (laughs) Oh, oh no. Oh, there it is again. I did it. Um, But anyway, so, like, that is, like, the biggest thing that bothers me about that movie. I love the movie. I think Alfonso Cuaron did a great job. By the way, I also love his movie, A Little Princess. But that's another story. Um, but I was just like, I mean, just a throwaway line. Just throw it out there. You don't need to like go into the whole exposition that they do in the book, but just throw it out there. Even if they just were like, Haha, that's our map. Yeah. 
Right? And that's all you need. Exactly. You don't need to, like, go on to pages and pages of dialogue about it. <laughs> I'm so sorry it was so upsetting to you in the film. I'll speak to Alfonso for you. Please do. He'll, Please do. He'll recut the whole movie. <laughs> I'm sure. Director's cut. <laughs> it's the same movie, but it has one line where Lupin's like, that's my map. Right. It's I'm like, poor, it's poorly dubbed. I'm Mooney, man. <laughs> that's my map. Oh, boy. Oh, my God. Can you picture David Thula saying, that's my map. <laughs> no, but now I want to real bad. Oh, my God. He's like, he's still in his, like, his really crappy Aries CGI costume. And they're like, uh, David, I'm sorry. You need to come in and do this voiceover real quickly. He's like, but I'm all CGI as Aries. <laughs> I got very confused, by the way, seeing Wonder Woman. <laughs> because I was like, wait, but he's a wizard. <laughs> I was very confused, and it took me way too long to, like, You're code a wizard, switch. David Thewlis. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Best scene in the book or favorite character? My favorite scene in the book, I think, is in the Whomping Willow, mm-hmm. where all the reveals happen, yes. and they discover Peter Pettigrew, mm-hmm. because I was so friggin' surprised, and I was yes. like, how did I not put it together? It was such a big turn. Right? Yes. And I'm like, the missing toe, the missing finger, mm-hmm. What? He was long-lived rat. Oh, my God. It was, like, mind-blowing. Yes. She did such a good job setting that up from book one. Yes. Question. How long had he been the Weasley's rat? Twelve years. So, like, he turned into a rat and became theirs instantly? I'm not sure how they found him, but I know he, like, it wasn't soon after... It was, like, pretty soon after that he, like, turned into a rat that he Got was it. adopted by the Weasleys. Because I think there's, they say in the first or second books that they've had the rat for, like, 10 or 12 years. I just didn't know if he was, like, able to make himself look like a, another rat and, like, yeah. just, like, kind of, like, took out <laughs> another rat, I guess, and, like, stole his identity. I don't, I don't think so. Uh, my favorite scene, I think, is where Ron and Hermione get into a fight mm. because he thinks that Hermione's new cat, Kirkshanks, <laughs> has eaten his rat. <laughs> my cat is named Kirkshanks after Hermione's cat. Mm-hmm. And so this is the first book that my cat appears, and I have a very... Big soft spot in my heart. Because Hermione is always my favorite character. Oh, of course. She is the best character. Right? She totally is. I love the memes that are like, if the books, if they rename the books for like, it's like, you know, Hermione Granger and uh, (laughs) having to save your dumb friends from Dragon Snare. You know? It's like, seriously, without Hermione, Harry would just be like, oh, hey, what do I do? I mean, I'm sure he'd get there eventually, but... But, like, she definitely saves, more maimed. Yeah. She saves the day. Yes. Every time. Fact. Yeah. Anything else you'd like to discuss with Harry Potter? No, I don't think so. I mean, I definitely like... I mean, I've, for the series overall, one of the things I do appreciate is how the book's style and writing grows with the characters. So, like, the mm-hmm. first book is very much young child... Yep. Justin starting middle school, the end of elementary school, and like that's how it reads, that's how it feels, and then you get to Deathly Hollows, and then it, I mean, it's still like a, a, a kid's book, but it is very much like reads like that age. Yeah. Like the the syntax is, is different, the, the, their word choices, like the way the characters are interacting, um, her whole entire style, I felt, grew with the characters and I really appreciated that yep um and I think I really started to notice it in the third book because like well that that is where that shift starts exactly and so um it was reading the third book that I was kind of like oh oh interesting is like is she 
choosing to do this or is it just kind of coming naturally because her characters are getting older and so she wants to to show that yeah um and so that was when i really started to appreciate the the book as a series yeah that makes sense um because i didn't i didn't come into harry potter when they were first published i think i didn't come into harry potter until they had published the third one okay and so i had to like kind of you know go find the first two books and read them first and then the third one um and i was like oh this is this is this is good yeah and so i think for that reason alone i think that's another reason why i I love the third one so much is because it was really like where i start to notice like oh this is this is good yeah like not just because it's different and new for me but because it's like smart yeah for me one of the reasons that i love this series as much as i do is that i love how hogwarts is a place where people who are different from one another mm-hmm. come together to learn and grow mm-hmm. uh shocking to nobody who's met me i am a hufflepuff <laughs> And the idea of, like, they even have a house for people who are like, oh, you don't belong other places? That's because you belong right here with us. Mm-hmm. And we're smart and are right next to the kitchen. Yep. So snacks are always uh, going to happen because yep. mm-hmm. we're smart. It's on point. But I, I love the idea of, that's not really why I love being, <laughs> anyway. Uh, but I do think that it's, really beautiful that the story is deals with growing up Mm -hmm. and it's a coming of age story but by setting it in this wizarding world it allows people who feel like outcasts Mm -hmm. to find a home which i think is why it's such a phenomenon that it is today and the idea of good versus evil and having to kind of choose your battles and, mm-hmm. and being lost along the way, I feel like everyone can relate to. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, and I think that's why it's just never going to go away. Because it is such a place for people to go and feel like they belong. Yeah. You know? Well, and now going back and rereading them, it's like putting on yeah. like your favorite comfy mm-hmm. old sweater that's like falling apart but it's just so cozy you can't possibly yeah get rid of it yep and it like it really helps you to also keep in mind like people are different people feel differently and you can't assume you know what's going on yes and so there's just so much about it that i think people need to just be aware of yeah I guess the last thing I need to say about the Harry Potter series isn't about the book, Mm. but it's just a little brief nod to how handsome Neville Longbottom (laughs) is. Has become. Oh, Nellie. Oh, yeah. That's all. Yeah, I, um, that one came out of the blue. I'm not gonna lie. Hmm. I'm really proud of him for Disney princing. Yes. Same with Hanson. Mm Mm-hmm. You get it. I get it. I totally get it. For our third and final piece of awesomeness that we're bringing you today, it's the 1934 film The Thin Man, based on Dashiell Hammond's The Thin Man. (laughs) So clever. Right? See what they did there? (laughs) They named the movie after the book. What? I know. Oh, so weird. (laughs) So weird. So the film uh, is uh, William Powell playing Nick, and Myrna Loy playing Nora. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are a married couple, mm-hmm. and he goes off detecting things <laughs> at times uh, and leaves her in stunningly gorgeous dresses, oh, being so like, pretty. Be careful, boo. <laughs> um, it is fast talking, a great film, a great book, mm-hmm. and is it came four years after, or three or four years after Maltese Falcon. Yep. Which is kind of his biggest yes. book. But this one is much, I think, better known for the film series. Yes, definitely. The yeah. film series definitely surpassed the book. Mm-hmm. Like, long before you would have expected. I don't think, I think hardly anybody knows about the book anymore. 
Well, that's kind of sad. Yeah, it is. Especially since he's such a good writer. He is a really wonderful writer. He really is. And, I mean, he... Dashiell Hammett um, was known for his pot boilers. Like, he only wrote five books. But he was a huge script doctor. He, like, wrote a lot of short stories. Um, But I think... What I know of what people know of him, it's mostly just the Maltese Falcon mm-hmm. book um, and then the Thin Man movie. Yeah. Um, and then his, like, relationship with Lillian Hellman, for those of the people who know her. Um, she was a playwright of mm-hmm. her own right. Lillian Hellman wrote The Children's Hour, which was a, a very famous play at the time. It came out in 1934, around the same time as the Thin Man movie. Oh. Um, and so it's... Um, it was subversive at the time because there were lesbian undertones. Mm. Um, and so the there was a controversy at the time when they turned it into a movie. They basically kind of cut those out. Yeah. Um, but she was very famous dramatist in her own right. Um, but she and Dashiell Hammett, I don't know. I don't know if they ever got married or if they were just in like, you know, a thing. Like a serious deep relationship. Yeah. Um, but there is actually a, a movie or TV movie based on their life starring Sam Shepard. Oh. Huh. I was there for that. I love Sam Shepard. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. So, will you kind of uh, give us an overview of the film? Sure. So, Nick and Nora Charles are a suave debonair married couple who are visiting New York for the Christmas holidays. Um, and Nick is a former detective, private detective, who has married basically money, but he loves his wife. There's like, but she's very rich. And so he's retired to kind of take care of her father's business and oversee all of that stuff. Um, so he's no longer the detecting business, supposedly. And Um, yet, and yet, um, he is approached by the daughter of a former client of his to find her father who has disappeared. And so the movie is basically Nick trying to stay out of it and not do anything, but can't help himself and still investigates. And the family is terrible, like the family of the man he's trying to find, the Winans. Um, they're, they're all they're awful. They're all awful. I mean, Dorothy's not so bad in the movie. She's worse. In, she's way worse in the book. Uh, the ex-wife is terrible. But anyways, so... Nick is basically trying not to investigate, but he's investigating, and he's the one who solves the crime and discovers that Wynette's been murdered and solves the murder. Um, And the movie is basically him and Nora just kind of having this banter off and on, and then Nick kind of going off and exploring. And there's this really fantastic scene where Nick, Nora, and Lieutenant Guild are walking down the street with their dog Asta, who's a very big character. And Nora wants to be involved in the investigation. She's encouraging Nick to investigate. She's like, oh, Nikki, you should investigate. You should, you know, help this girl. Um, and so at the end of the scene, it re- like, they Guild reveals some information that, you know, kind of like, I'm going to find out. And so Nora, Nick, Nick tricks Nora into getting into a cab and sends her to Grant's tomb. And then he and Guild go off and investigate without her. So it's kind of like, it's just hilarious how, like, Nick and Nora are competing with each other. But not really, because Nora has no idea what she's doing. Yep. But she's just trying to show that she's, like, just as capable as her husband. Um, but she's very supportive of him. Um, and so, that's the movie. The, the mo- this, I think this movie is one of the first ones where they solve the mystery by bringing all the suspects together. And Nick basically walks through every single one of them as to why they could be the killer. Yeah. And... I don't know if this was the first time it's ever been done in a movie, but you see this in almost every single murder mystery mm-hmm. of the time. Yeah. That's how they end. They bring all the suspects together, and the detective just shows off how much he knows by walking through why everyone's a suspect and then revealing the final killer. And it's brilliant. Yeah, I don't know why it's as satisfying as it is. I don't either. But it's great. But it really is It works. Wonderful. <laughs> And it feels authentic and, like, real when they do it in this film. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, the murder on the Orient Express, the Kenneth Branagh one. Oh, God. Where he, like, 
puts them at like the Jesus table and oh is so dumb and I hated all of it. You should really listen to the episode that we do on Adapted with Anna Sam when we talk about that that book. We lay into it. But continue. Ugh. The book is so brilliant. It's so good. Agatha Christie is wonderful. Mm-hmm. And that cast was Should have been phenomenal. Amazing. Mm-hmm. But you let Kenneth Branagh do it. And it goes to shit. His stupid mustache. Oh my god! <sighs> I feel like it inflated his head. And like his his nose, it went up his nose, the hair, and into his brain. And it and he didn't know how to direct it. I, I don't understand. And it's just... Ugh. When and like the lost love. And, mm. When you don't let Olivia Coleman. Mm-hmm. Speak for more than like five seconds. Who does that? What is wrong with you? Oh my god! You're a dumb idiot. <sighs> Kenneth Branagh, I'm right? coming for you. Right? You're a dumb, dumb head. Um, and they're doing Death on the Nile. Can we just say I'm not happy about that? I'm gonna see it, but I'm gonna hate watch it. Yes, I think that's one that we should all live tweet. As we hate watch it. Like we did for um, the Alphabet Murders. Okay. I'm in. Okay. Oh, Alpha, don't ever watch that one. John Malkovich is Paro in that one. I watched it and I was not pleased. <sighs> Why do they keep giving Paro some history like that? But also it has um, flippin' Ron Weasley in it. Right. And I'm sorry, but I did not like him in that movie. Well, nothing was likable about the movie. <laughs> it's not his fault. No, that is Rupert, true. you're great still. Right? No, but yeah. Okay. Sorry, <laughs> we're not even talking about Alexander Christie. We're talking about the Thin Man. <laughs> um, <laughs> so what is it about the Thin Man that makes it one of your favorites? It, it's an, it was another first for me. It was the first, like, black and white, old-time old movie that I loved. Mm-hmm. Um, it was hashtag relationship goals. <laughs> Whereas Sean and Gus were hashtag friendship goals. Nick and Nora were hashtag relationship goals. And I I saw that you, you know, even though it was fake and fictional, whatever, I saw that you could portray your relationship on the screen that was both realistic but also happy. Yeah. Without it being, like, ridiculous. And over the top. That's really funny because my first black and white movie that I fell in love with was The Philadelphia Story, where all of the relationships are crazy over the top and ridiculous. Yes. But to be fair, you can never go wrong with Katherine Hepburn or Cary Grant and even Jimmy Stewart. Yep. So. Oh, it's still one of my favorite movies of all time. Did you know that Jimmy Stewart was in a Thin Man movie? What? Yes, he's in the second one. <laughs> Please tell me that it's called A Thinner Man. Uh, no, it's after The Thin Man. I oh. believe it's called. Or no, it's another Thin Man. Sorry. I, w- I wish that the series was A Thin Man, A Slightly More Trim Man. <laughs> like, well, still losing weight man. What's really funny is like what what got lost in the later movies because William Powell turned, was actually a thin man. Like the thin man wasn't Nick Charles. He's not the thin man of the title. Oh. <laughs> well, that's strange. It was the, it was the, the client, Clyde Winant. He was the thin man. And so in yeah. the book, like, it's much more clear that Clyde Winant is a thin man. Like, Charles goes over how thin and tall he is. Yeah. Um, but because of just the way Will and Powell, Powell looks, people just thought that he was a thin man of the title. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. And so after the third or fourth movie... He did become the thin man of the title. And it was just like, because <laughs> they just stopped fighting it. They just, they just were like, oh, fine. He's a thin man. Because I think the first one is a thin man. The second one is after the thin man. The third one's another thin man. The fourth one. Can't remember. And then the fifth one, I think, is the shadow of the thin man. And the sixth one is the song of the thin man. I can't remember what the, the fourth one is, but anyways, so Shadow of the Thin Man and Song of the Thin Man, they clearly gave up and were like, all right, 
fine, Nick Charles, you're the thin man. Just, just do it. Whatever. I just imagine the studios coming in and being like, oh, give the people what they want. Yeah. <laughs> you can be the thin guy. <laughs> I mean, what the people really wanted was more Asta. So they did that as well. <laughs> but whatever. I mean, that dog was cute AF, so I get it. I mean, and they gave him a wife in the second one, too. So that was funny. Mrs. The, Asta. The do- there was a Mrs. Asta. I'm sorry, I know that they're dogs, but still, she deserved to have her own name. I agree. <laughs> but she was stepping out on him, so... Oh, snap. Yeah. What a bitch. <laughs> Get it? Because it's a dog. Yeah, All yeah. right. I like it. Anyway. Like it. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, that was so dumb. I apologize. Okay. One of the reasons I love this movie is because it has that fast-talking witty banter that I think is one of the reasons that I'm dying a single woman. Yes. Because it doesn't Same. really exist in non-scripted <laughs> things. Yep. Uh, yeah, but, you notice a theme with the banter for me? Yes. <laughs> well, that's the thing, though. Like, the way that they Nick and Nor interact mm-hmm. is very playful and filled with love, mm-hmm. but also, like, kind of chiding. Right. And you totally buy in that they love each other deeply. Yes. And care very much for one another. Yeah. And are willing to put themselves in harm's way for the other. Yes. Not that I need anybody to, like, throw themselves under a, you know, in front of a bus for me or anything. Yeah, I mean, if, but if you do, I won't think less of you. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> I mean, you might be dead at that point. Hopefully it's a slow-moving bus. Maybe it's like Mean Girls. And <laughs> yes. you just have to wear like that big, huge like yeah. head brace thing. Yeah. But it, but my point is, is that I'm not looking for uh, a man to, no. you know, put himself into danger yeah. for me. But I would love a like quick back and forth witty banter. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And yeah, that's, I mean, that's why like, like I was being facetious but not really but like hashtag relationship goals like that is maybe unrealistic of me but that is what i have always wanted yeah. and it's probably not gonna happen right now i don't know but we can just talk witty banter to each other exactly then. and we do yeah um <laughs> but like it just it was it was real it felt real anyways. And, like, what's really funny is, like, they weren't actually a couple off screen. Mm-hmm. But they portrayed one so realistically. I think because they were just really good friends off screen as well. Oh, that makes me happy to hear. Yes. Um, but, like you said, like, they support each other. They don't put each other on pedestals. They recognize they're human. Yeah, Which is what I love. And they deal with each other's flaws. Yes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um... And they're not, they're not, um, really willing to, not, not, not willing, that's not, that's poor phrasing, but they love them because of their flaws. It's yeah. It's like they're, it is one of the things they love about the, about each other. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that. And mm-hmm. it's nice to see that relationship portrayed on screen. Yeah. And the costuming is amazing. Oh God. So gorgeous. <laughs> she has the best outfits. Oh, ever. Yeah. I would wear that stuff. Yeah. It would look much cuter on you. <laughs> I mean, it looks gorgeous on her because she's just like perfect, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for talking about The Thin Man with me. Thank you so much for having me to talk about it. So we've now come to the end of the episode, which means that I give my recommendations back to Sam. Woo-hoo! So, first off, Sam, might I suggest that you watch the TV show Rosemary and Time? I feel like it'll be right up my wheelhouse. So, yeah, I'll probably give it a watch. Yeah. Yes. It took place from 2003 to 2007. It was only on that long? Yes. They only did three series of it. It's a British show, and it is Rosemary Boxer meets Laura Time in the first episode. Nice. And Laura Time is getting a divorce. <gasps> I know. Her husband's yes. a dog. Ugh. And um, so they team up 
and become a gardening duo. Not a crime-solving crime gardening duo? Well, (laughs) funny you should mention, because in every episode, they work on a gorgeous garden and solve at least one murder. It's like if, like, an HGTV outdoor Mm -hmm. space television show did it with Murder, She Wrote. Nice. And had a baby. (laughs) That was British. I I could get behind that, yeah. It's charming and delightful, and they share a really strong, fun friendship. Nice. That is reminiscent of Sykes' friendship to me. And... It's fun and pretty. And it's British. So and British. It's really got to be good. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, second of all, might I suggest the Wizard of Earth Sea Trilogy? Oh, I never read that, but I should. So Ursula Le Guin wrote the first book of the trilogy in 1968. She's a oh, contemporary wow. of Tolkien. Mm-hmm. And... She wrote about a wizard named Ged who goes off to a wizard school to learn how to become a wizard. Nice. Um, but unlike Harry Potter, well, actually, I guess kind of, there's dragons involved mm-hmm. and stuff like this. And so he has to like fight against dark magic oh. in a much different way than yeah. in Harry Potter. Okay. And uh, I love the first book but the second book is my favorite of the trilogy oh interesting it's called the tombs of adawan and uh in it ged goes to the tombs of adawan spoiler alert and he meets uh, a high priestess named tanar and she essentially helps him through the catacombs and they fall in love and then chaos ensues (gasps) But it's really beautiful and wonderfully woven and crafted stories. And it deals with wizards and magic. And it's really lovely. All right. And the third and final one that I would like to suggest for you, Sam, is the 1957 film Desk Set featuring Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn. I've not actually seen that one of theirs. It is one of my all-time favorite films. And, uh... Catherine Hepburn plays a woman named Bunny, who is... She's the last person I would ever picture as a bunny. I know, but, oh, she rocks it. Of course she does. She's Catherine Hepburn. She plays a reference librarian mm-hmm. at this company. And so people call in and they ask questions. And then the women who work in this department go and find the answer in their references nice. and stuff. And Spencer Tracy plays a man named Mike, who brings in a supercomputer. Uh-oh. That's trouble. And so he's billed as an organizational uh, helper. Of course he is. To kind of like <laughs> help streamline things at the company. Mm-hmm. But one of the things he does is bring in this supercomputer. And so all of the women, led by Bunny, think, Go, that, Bunny. They, think that they're going to be fired. Mm-hmm. Um, but then... Wow. Love happens. Is <laughs> all of my favorite movies. <laughs> um, but in addition to being a really fun film, it has that witty banter that we love, mm-hmm. and you can't beat Spencer Tracy mm-hmm. and Catherine Hepburn That's in a true. film together. They, for all of his problems, they did have good screen chemistry. Yeah, it was phenomenal. And she wears the shit out of some pants. I believe it. I believe it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I had such a fun time. I adore you very, very much. I adore you too. Okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye. And that's our episode. I'd like to thank Sam LaDoit for being my guest this week. I'd also like to thank Rudy Sims for the use of part of his senior moth track as the backlay for our theme song as well as kate hardley for being my fantastic sound engineer for that theme song as well and if you like what you hear please give us a five star rating and review and subscribe and i'd love to hear from you so feel free to get in touch i will see you soon bye bye 
Hey everybody, I just wanted to add in one quick message um, at the end. I realized that um, I haven't been thanking Lisa Cordner for my gorgeous, gorgeous cover art for the podcast, so I really wanted to do that as well. Also, I wanted to say thanks so much. So many of you have been so lovely and so supportive of this venture of mine, and um, I also wanted to say thank you so much for sticking it out with me while I figure out how to edit this podcast and become better at recording this podcast. And um, it really means a lot to me. So thank you so much. Talk to you soon.